Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today, I am honored to bring you Rick Bonds, a friend, my past colleague, and a leader by every definition of the word. We're talking today about company values and specifically the importance of having fun in the workplace. He shares some fabulous examples of how he and his colleagues are having fun that are also funny. And you can replicate these where you work. We talk about the importance of having fun because in the end, people work harder. There's greater productivity, there's less sick days, and customers see it and feel it too. Having fun is part of a workplace culture. You have to have permission and that kind of culture to be able to be psychologically safe, to have fun, be vulnerable. And we talk about that too. We have some funny conversations and we also get real. And I promise you that you're going to look at the workplace and how you can infuse fun much more than may exist today. Please share this episode with others. Subscribe to Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channel and leave me a review. I read every single one and it means so much to me. Feedback is a gift. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Rick Bonds. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Hey, good afternoon, Stacy. So good to see you. Thanks for having me. Oh, having you is a special treat for me. I obviously interview a lot of people, authors, CEOs, leaders, and I truly have wanted to have you on my show since the day we met because when I think about leadership, you absolutely come to mind and we'll we'll dig into that. Thank you for that. Looking so forward to it. Yes. So let's talk about first... For my audience to know that Rick is no casual friend. We've been working together for many years. Uh, We both left Schindler Elevator Corporation, but that's where we met. So thank you, Schindler, for bringing our paths together. Let's talk about you now. Where are you professionally? What are you doing? Sure. Yeah, as you know, been a lot of change in the Bonds household. So we um, relocated from Dallas to Georgetown, North Boston. So that was a a new adventure for us. And with that, took an industry change too. So I'm now working for Convergent, which is a a 20-year-old low-voltage integrator. We do some really exciting stuff from uh, access control to fire life safety and cybersecurity. So, you know, I've I've always sort of uh, touted myself as a five-minute expert based on the experiences I've had. (laughs) <laughs> Up to this point, I just love engaging with the customer and figuring out how to ask the right questions and get the right folks to the table to add add value to the customer's uh, business. And it's been a lot of fun. And you've been in client-facing roles since I've met you. Yeah. So when you talk about the value and the importance of customer experience, talk to me about why. Why have you chosen this career path? You know, I've thought about that, Stacey. And I, 
I think for me, it, it wasn't so much about career path. I mean, if you look at my resume, I started out in landscape architecture and development and realized I really was not so good at drawing. But I loved being in the field and the interaction with customers and being able to look at their vision, their plan, and offering some insights to say, hey, I think there's a different way to do this. Or have you thought about maybe looking at it from this perspective? And so early, early on, even in latter part of my college experiences, I just gravitated towards opportunities that gave me a chance to interact and create relationships that I have carried with me through my life. And regardless if it was in the elevator industry, the landscape industry, even now in this capacity, thrive and flourish in an environment that allows me to talk to customers, to build those friendships mm -hmm. and figure out what is it that they're looking for? And maybe they don't know, but through time and relationship and you know all the typical sales cycles, you find that you listen intently enough and reveals uh, opportunities where you have a competitive advantage or you can really add some value to those customers. And it just, it's always given me great joy to mine those opportunities. What's one thing that people may or may not know about you? <laughs> <laughs> this one's always fun to tell. So you wouldn't think it, but I, I absolutely hated public speaking. In college, I had to give a speech to a thousand some odd kids. And uh, I say kids, but I was sweating profusely. I looked like I'd been in a boxing match with Mike Tyson. And uh, I think it was after that experience, I finally just came to terms with it. And I had an early business mentor that was telling me right before I gave my first speech in front of a, a corporate group, they said, hey, listen, you know, easy way. You've heard it before. Just picture the audience half naked. And I said, yeah, but you don't understand. My mother's sitting on the front row, so that's not going to work. <laughs> so. No. Yeah, I, um, I've actually found that, you know, if you just envision yourself in your happy place, for me, it's sitting around a campfire. I'm a big outdoors person. So if I just mm -hmm. envision myself sitting around a campfire and just talking about life and business and philosophy and whatever, it, it, the rest just kind of flows through. But uh, yeah, never, never enjoyed public speaking. Well, I have to add, I've learned something over the past five weeks, actually longer, but concept is that I feel with the way you do about public speaking, which I love public speaking, but I am afraid of flying in an airplane. I've really? always been that way. And so I finally conquered it years ago. Then COVID happened. And then I had to get over this fear again. And point of story is that I've been traveling a lot for work past weeks. Every single week I've been on a plane. And so I've learned that by doing it over and over again, I'm good now. Right, uh, right. Right, so by speaking often, you start to lose that anxiety that happens. That's right, that's right. Only difference is I'm in control of the speaking opportunity. You're not in control of the flying. So you <laughs> no, you're <laughs> in a better different. spot, very different <laughs> spot. You said a word before that I want to now get deeper into. You said, oh, this is going to be fun. Let's talk about fun. Let's talk about company values. You and I have both through our career experienced organizations that are not fun and places that are enjoyable. Where you are right now, I see you share stories on social media and when we talk about the fun you're having in the workplace. First of all, what is fun? I know this sounds very rhetorical, but what does fun really mean? Because it's not always understood in a workplace setting. I wholly agree. If you think about 
and just anybody, I would challenge anybody listening or reading along to just go Google and research what does fun do, laughter do for the human body? You know, the chemical aspects of our body, everything about laughter has some sort of positive offset. And it's really fascinating. And so, as you said, I've worked in some environments that, you know, maybe were a bit stale and static and just didn't allow people to really have community and have fun and let their hair down a bit. Um, in an environment now where literally one of the values and beliefs for bees and bees is stated right there from the founders of the organization that fun and laughter is a red thread through everything we do. And to the point that what we're talking about today in allowing employee engagement to foster an environment of laughter and fun, that resonates and that, that transfers right out to the external customer experience. And I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. I mean, employees that are having so much fun in their environment and are allowed to have a little bit of fun with one another, you know, when they go out and they start to form those bonds with customers, now the customers are pulled in and they're having some fun. And we have this really tight knit community internally and, and externally. And I, I think the customers far better for it when companies allow their employees to really engage and have more fun in the office. Why do you think fun has been, I guess, less of a priority? Do you, do you think that? And is that the opportunity for leaders at this time? You know, Stacey, I think culture is a really powerful thing and it means something different to everyone. Of course, there's a lot of companies that are very laser focused on results and that's all fine and dandy. I've always subscribed much more to building those personal relationships and trusting and supporting teams that I've had the privilege of working in and around or leading. And those results truly do follow. And so I think a lot of lot of business philosophy around this topic, for sure. Uh, the best experiences I've had have always been in a place where teams can just have a tremendous amount of fun, be vulnerable, laugh, get along in a way that maybe wasn't uh, allowed in some of their prior experiences. And I mean, the, the flow through of sales results and employee engagements, uh, we're in a talent war right now. So it's hard, mm -hmm. you know, recruiting challenges, things like that. I think uh, leaders really need to tune in to allowing some more fun to happen in the workplace. If you think about someone like me, who's been a tried and true sales professional for most all my career, we place enough pressure on ourselves to perform, to hit metrics, to hit all of these things. So there's this constant pressure that really needs to be met with an abundance of fun and laughter along the way. One thing you said that's very powerful is about being vulnerable. And you and I having come from the elevator industry, there was a lot of discussion of physical safety, but what you're talking about is mental safety. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think what you read, see, experience, there is something so profound with just daily checking in with a colleague and just, you know, a warm smile, a, hey, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on in your life? I mean, when I walked in the door here in Convergent uh, a little over a year ago, within the first week, I realized that almost every employee here had a Nerf dart gun in their drawer. And I was told very quickly on, you better get strapped and carry a Nerf dart gun. And I, I really didn't realize to, to the extent that some of these colleagues meant, but <laughs> You might actually catch a dart in, you know, upside your uh, forehead if you're not careful. But uh, it's so much fun to just see the engagement in the office space and in the cubes. And then, you know, we're all sharing laughs. And I just think that that stuff really builds community like nothing else. And, and it allows for an expression of letting your hair down. And when we're living in such a world that has some 
mental life challenges and things like that, that people are just wrestling with a lot of stuff, Stacey. And I think we need to have a place that feels safe, feels inclusive, feels fun. We spend so much time here. We might as well uh, make it with our family. So you had an experience recently. You went to the office early. Tell that story, please. I knew you were going to bring this up. So uh, I won't name names, but I have their pictures printed out on my wall here. (laughs) I have their mug shots. So I came into the office. And you're going to use that dart gun right at their face each day? (laughs) Oh, they, they they will get something far, far worse. So I came in uh, quite early one morning, uh, earlier than normal, and uh, the lights were off in the office. And so I walked in, got in, threw my bag down and didn't even think anything of it. And just sort of, you know, like most people, I didn't take a casual sit into my office chair. I just sort of plopped down. Well, unbeknownst to me, there was a uh, air horn bolted to the bottom of it or zip tied, I should say. And this thing went off. I mean, the decibel level was through the roof. And I almost threw my coffee all over me, all over the back wall. Um, these guys were phenomenal. I mean, I, I have to give them credit. The, the, the level of detail that they went through to disable the cylinder valve on your chairs so that it would not have zero resistance and go to the floor and sound off this alarm. Little did they know, I equally love pranks. And so I've got some good things in mind. But... Apparently, my coming in, Stacy, foiled the second part of the plan. They were wiring up cameras uh, in my office to catch the whole thing on uh, on camera. So I'm glad I got in when I did. Oh, my gosh. But the point of the story, besides being oh, really fun and funny, is it created a culture of laughing and being vulnerable and connection. Totally. I, I started going back through my mental file of all the fun things I've seen done um, from putting 100 pounds of bird seed on the boss's car so that all the birds in the trees just sat and picked <laughs> off the seed and did any number of things to uh, the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a whole list of things and I'll, I'll deploy those in, in my time to these uh, couple of colleagues that had a bit of fun with me. I love that. And I ask you because not everybody is in an office setting now. So people are also virtual. People are hybrid. What's your view on how do you keep the fun and the community that you talk about, even when you're not in person? Yeah, I will tell you from experience, the uh, virtual Nerf gun doesn't work. It bounces right off the screen and comes back. And it's just that's a (laughs) no-go. Um, you know, when COVID set in, we were obviously colleagues then. Um, one of the things we did with our strategic account team right away, because I, you know, I was managing a team, leading a team the last five years that was always virtual. So to suddenly be thrust into a virtual environment was nothing new for us. But I realized in that moment, the first, I'd say month or two, this was real. This was straining on people's psyche. This was very difficult to navigate so much unknown. And I don't know that a lot has changed right now in terms of how we're viewing economic headwinds and COVID still exists. And there's there's always something. So mm-hmm. for those that have virtual teams, I would say, you know, the cost of travel sometimes is not uh, conducive, but mm-hmm. wow, we learned a lot about utilization of teams and other means, you know, Zoom calls and what have you. We had several virtual happy hours where it was like, hey, end of day, 
bring a cocktail, bring a book, bring a smile, bring something, and let's just get together and check in with one another. You know, how are your kids adjusting? How's your family? What are you doing for the summer? Just those simple engagements to put work aside and talk about life together. And, you know, we had those as a group. And then so often, lots of people would drop off and there'd be a few that would stay on or say, hey, can I call you after this? I've got something, you know, a deeper engagement I want to get into. And that's that's the good stuff. And we've got to be super intentional about that. Very true about intentionality. And actually, my favorite part of meetings are always the beginning before everybody joins and the end yeah. when it's yeah. it's not the meeting. It's like the in-between and the beginning and the end are really by my favorite parts. Okay. Um, and I think so, those bookend discussions with yeah. customers are where you really make some yeah. differences. Oh, yes. Definitely. You're right. Because that is the gold, which you can achieve online, obviously in person is even more gold. When you talk about fun and embracing fun, it obviously requires a leader that supports. Culture starts at the top, but it's obviously achieved bottom up too. What have you learned from the best leaders and the ones that have not been so great what have you learned that makes you lead effectively? You know, it sounds so simple, but I think for the leaders where I've been able to emulate and realize some great skill sets, it's just being human, being yourself, empathizing, and uh, realizing that there are titles, there are structure, there's all of these things within a, a large corporation or business. But I think if you're a present leader, if you are intentional about getting out to the field and doing ride-alongs or mm -hmm. taking a technician to lunch or, you know, just making sure that you're engaged as, as much as you can. And, and we're all in a fight for time. We, we're always are leaning on well time. But if you're trying to be intentional with those efforts and you're really trying to engage the employee and make sure that everybody understands that you value them on the team, you really are compassionate towards their personal goals, their professional goals, and, and you really want to help facilitate growth in those areas. I think once you start to make those connections, I mean, it, it's amazing what, what you see in terms of a team and how they, how they crystallize, how they form, and then what they can achieve. Now, I've worked in environments where it's a bit suppressive and oppressive, and you just aren't allowed to really be yourself. And it's sort of like, hey, you just got to conform within this box and just deliver the results and don't really bring anything else to the table. And I just cannot exist in, in that environment. Um, and, you know, it's for some, they like structure. For someone like me, um, not so much. <laughs> With sales comes a lot of pressure, quotas, numbers, constant. So how do you keep the fun alive when it is truly a stressful role? I'm still working on that. Uh, in fact, I, I think that's a daily charge. But at the end yeah. of the day, that this bridge between personal business needs for, for me or for the company and what we're trying to achieve with the customer, I think there's a bridge to walk across and meet the customer there and have a bit of fun. So, you know, recently we took a, a major customer out for Top Golf, and, you know, in the midst of that, uh, it's middle afternoon in Austin, Texas, and we're talking business, we're talking strategy, we're talking challenges and opportunities and we're whacking away at golf balls and laughing at just how ridiculously horrible we are at that but we're having a ton of fun you know we're taking selfies and having a really good time and 
we're able to do both things. We're talking business and how do we come together and solve those problems? But we're also talking kids and school and work and fun. And we're, we're allowed to have those experiences together. And I think uh, that for me is what I would want to do every single moment of the day. Well, you said something absolutely worth repeating. And that was what you said is allowed. That's mm. culture. Indeed. Right? Yeah, because you are allowed, you are empowered to connect and connection comes when you're laughing and having fun. So the fact you said you're loud, I don't know that you may have been allowed in other places. Yeah, you're right. Culture starts at the top. I think what sometimes we miss are those opportunities within our space that we can control. So if you're leading a team, um, you have the obligation and hopefully the privilege within your organization to set a culture. It needs to mirror the global culture, of course, but you have an identity and an opportunity to put your fingerprint on your team, you know, your department. I think that's incredibly important. Um, otherwise, it doesn't feel authentic. It, it needs to sort of resonate a little bit of your own DNA and who you are. And, um, for, for me as a, as a leader and someone who just loves being around people, I always love to be visible, present, engaged, have some fun. The rest works itself out, Stacey. It always has. I mean, maybe it's yes. just good fortune. So part fortune, part intentional and right place, right time. And obviously, when you picked another company to go to, it had to match your values. When people listening to this who want to make an organization more fun, more connecting connections among people, what are some of the things that you feel are low-hanging fruit that are easy to do that people can actually start to institute that more? I think too often as leaders, it's stressful if you allow yourself to be in a space where you think you have to come up with all the answers and you have to come up with mm. all the fun and you have to originate all of the things. It's powerful when you get others involved. For anybody out there, that would be the one thing I would say. It, whatever you're doing, seek counsel, get others involved. We have a fun and laughter committee in our office, and I participate, but ultimately, they're the ones that are empowered. Aside from the credit card, that's about what I bring to the table. They're the ones that are empowered to you know, have voice of employee and create different scenarios of fun. What does that look like? Is it a dress-up day for Halloween like we did? Is it going out for a happy hour after work? Is it a top golf? Is it whatever it is to you and your organization, put a few people together that could feel like their voice matters. They can actually have part of the fun in creating some of these experiences and then, you know, just rotate it around over time and allow people to really feel like they can express uh, a bit of fun. Everybody's got a different opinion of what that looks like. Um, they've got different experiences that they draw from. And I think it, that's what it makes it exciting is when you can bring a few people together and allow them to put their best on the table. That resonates a lot. Where I work, we actually have a purpose committee and the company's purpose is to improve lives of customers, agents, and employees. And I get to lead that. Like you said, your mission is the fun, the element of fun and connection. And so the committee gets to bring people together to figure out what's it going to be over time. And it works there. And it really works where I am, where we come together and say, these are going to be the activities to live our purpose. And I think that what you're saying 
actually is so easy for anybody to do. It's just a matter of commit. Yeah, I will add to that too, because this was something that my wife and I were at a life group meeting last night and something about parenting. And, you know, so often as parents, we get caught up trying to be perfect parents instead of being purposeful parents and just starting somewhere. You know, if you're trying to improve your kids' grades or their mannerisms or whatever, just start somewhere. And as, as leaders, I think sometimes we wait until we have the perfect plan. You just need to be purposeful and start somewhere. Get get a group going in a direction. Let them have some latitude to explore what does fun look like in the office. And then just participate and support from there. I love that. And it reminds me also when we were worked before together, they actually used to call them huddles. And right. they were problem-solving committees. So... It works. And why not? Why not have a culture committee, a purpose committee, a fun committee where people do feel like they have a voice and they can make an impact and it's clearly working. Yeah, it's fun to be a part of, fun to, fun to see the team. They just continue to raise the bar. Would you say that companies, obviously, especially in sales roles, are so ROI driven, but we know that purpose and culture and fun company values, that's not so easy to measure. What's your view on people say, "Eh, I don't need to do that then? I mean, listen, you know, not, not in a charity environment. So we have an obligation, of course, to return a profit to the stakeholders and lots of organizations are that way. There's different ways to get there. Um, I gravitate much more towards an environment that's going to allow my view of PNL, which is not necessarily profit loss, it's more like people in laughter or people in livelihoods. And uh, it's exciting to be a part of an organization that pours water on that seed, if you will. I mean, that, again, 20 year old firm from the very beginnings, the very humble beginnings in a basement, they said, fun and laughter is going to be one of our you know, V's and B's, values and beliefs. And um, lots of companies say that lots of companies have their culture statements and all the things on the walls and and what have you, but Convergent really lives that out. And lots of other wonderful companies that I've been around do as well. Um, It's really incredible what what results uh, can be delivered when you have those exciting, engaged communities within your customer setting. And I think one word comes to my mind for sure, both from employees and agents and customers and the words greater loyalty. Oh, indeed. And you and I talked about that quite a bit, you know, early on. I remember stepping into Schindler, uh, which, you know, has still been an incredible life experience for me and professional development experience, you know, getting engaged with that team, trying to figure out what, what were the unique needs uh, of each individual on the team? What was our charge, you know, our, our mission to grow? And one of the things that became clear to me about a year after, um, you know, a close friend of mine whom you know well, John Heckman joined us. And yeah. one of the things John brought to that team uh, was personal brand. And it meant so much to me because I always felt like this was something important to me personally, but I wasn't articulating it to the team. John brought this profound vision of personal brand, you know, then reflects into the company or team brand that translates to the customer. And it was powerful. And uh, it's still, you know, five years later sticks with me. And uh, I just think that's another really critical element that goes into having this fun and laughter is, you know, that identity and brand that we then carry as a team forward to our customer. 
Oof, that's so powerful. And uh, kudos to Jonathan Heckman on that one. Yes. So we're coming to the end here. Two final questions, which is if I had a ton of CEOs and leaders and entrepreneurs in my room right now, what's the one thing you want them to remember? I think I would just go back to what I said about the war on talent. I mean, take care of your team, you know, share life with them. Um, it's not always easy. It's not always comfortable, but we've got to figure out ways to engage with the employees like never before. I mean, we continue to face more and more global concerns. There's always something, but we've really got to embrace, I think, Sir Branson and his statement of take care of the employees, the employees take care of the customer. I don't know if I've ever read anything more simple in any industry. Don't get caught up in all of the nuances of trying to run organizations without thinking about the people that tirelessly work to take care of the customer and support them and get to know them individually. And keep life fun. And have a little bit of fun along the way. Absolutely. And final question, if you could go back in time to your younger 20-year-old self, what would you tell younger Rick then that you didn't know? How much time do we have left? <laughs> um, professionally, I would say don't, uh, don't let the self-talk keep you from realizing your full potential. I think there's been opportunities where I've been very blessed with having some exciting career moves or opportunities, but perhaps held myself back thinking, well, I'm, I'm not fully prepared or I... I Maybe there's some other experience I need to get. The realization I've come to 20 years later, Stacey, is that I don't think you're ever fully prepared. I think that you have a basis of experience, you have opportunity, and that next little bit is that courageous bit of energy that says, yeah, I can do this. And you just, you step off the ledge and, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's good to be in that space because I think then... You sharpen the edge and you allow your full potential to come out. So 20 years ago, yeah, just be bold, go big, have fun. And I would also say about the have fun is to take life less seriously because tomorrow's promise to no one. So have fun. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, uh, we, we could turn this into a counseling session, but I, <laughs> I did spend a, a fair bit of first part of my lifetime being a bit too serious, very focused on you know, how I should conduct myself in a business environment and maybe not having as much fun or allowing myself to have as much fun. And I have figured out over time, whether that was maturity or good mentors with a smack to the back of my head saying, hey, 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 guy, you know, have a bit of fun and laugh. Um, it feels so much better to intertwine the two. I can tell you that it's much more rewarding. Yes. Yeah, so to wrap it up, which we talked about before, you said the word aloud, right? I think that having fun is both an organization supporting us to have fun and ourselves allowing us to have fun. That's how it happens. And if one of those are off, it's not going to happen. Well said. Well said. Well, thank you, Rick, for being here. And I so appreciate you professionally and my personal friend. And I'm going to share in the show notes the best way to reach you. I assume LinkedIn is where you hang out the most. LinkedIn is where you will find me. And uh, Stacey, I must say as well, great to see you. Thanks so much for having me on. I'd be remiss to not also recognize tomorrow being Veterans Day. 
if we're talking about fun and laughter, um, we'd have a lot less fun and laughter along the way if it wasn't for the veterans and, and the contributions they've made to our country um, and to the yeah. life that we are so blessed and fortunate to live. So everybody should go thank a veteran and do it more so than just on the one day that seems to be on the calendar um, per year. There's always that opportunity. So thanks again for having me. It's really a pleasure to see you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.